Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I'm joined by the returning, uh, the not bitter, the, the placid and thankful for having someone like Rance as a friend in his life, Ricky. Ricky, welcome back to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. It's good to be back. Thank you for filling in, Rance. You've done a splendid job. Uh, how, how's things going with Tolly? Have you started working on any, any ideas yet? We have actually. Um, the podcast um, is due to be released never. Um, so yeah, there we go. It was a, a one and done, as we mentioned last week. With Tolly couldn't even make it. <laughs> yep. And then I, I left after like 30 seconds. It was a joyous 30 seconds. But we've got you for the evening. I like to think so. That's what she said. Uh, we've got you for the whole evening tonight, so the listeners are blessed with your your audio audio presence, as it were. Well, I don't know. If blessed is the right word, but you got us back together. The band is back well, together. I'm very happy to see and hear you. I'm happy to be back. Good. It's been a long, like seven or eight weeks, I think. It has indeed. So, um, this week, ladies and gents, it's been a while. We've done a couple of listener questions this year, but probably through the the promise or the tease that Ricky will actually be back this week, we got an absolute influx of questions from Twitter. Uh, your typical wrestling questions, WWE, New Japan, AEW, and the likes, but there's quite a, quite a an eclectic mix of questions tonight. So I'm going to leave it in the capable hands of the, the question hoarder himself, Ricky, to pause at the questions and we'll have a good chinwag, give you some, give your listeners some some chucks and yucks to see you through your day. And maybe some insight as well. Yep. 
Um, right, so let me just get on to Twitter. Right, the first one. Uh, first one is, I like this question from Calf, actually. Uh, Calf underscore 67. How's life, how's life, Ricky, and how's life, Clive? Uh, life is, is what it is at the moment. It's neither up, it's up and down, but, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat, kind of get on with things. It sucks at times, and yeah, could be better, but we are alive, healthy-ish. Kind of. Yourself, Clive? Yep, kind of. Well, I want to thank Kath for that question. That uh, That is nice of you to ask that. And it's no secret, I mean, everyone's had shit, a shit storm of a year and a half um, for many reasons, whether COVID or otherwise. Still in the still in the midst of that now and again. Not too much, but things are going well. Plodding along with, uh, I made spaghetti bolognese for dinner tonight and apparently I'm really good at it. So if you want my recipe for this big bowl, give me a shout and I'll let you know how it's done. Uh, Excellent. Yep, so I'm quite pleased with the feedback I got from the the spaghetti bolognese. So thanks you, Kath. How about uh, you? Uh, well, if only they would allow American and Canadian married couples to be with one another, I think she would be doing a lot better than she is. Aye, things are well now for them, but that was a shitty time. Still is for some. Yep. Uh, right, okay, so I will just start from like, the top. Right, here we go. This is from Five Nerds Go, so there's three questions here. So they're all, some are wrestling related, some are not. Five Nerds Go, what thing would you most like to deep fry that hasn't already been done, that hasn't already been in Scotland after someone did a call in a caterpillar cake? I didn't realise someone deep fried a call in a, call in a caterpillar cake. For our non-UK people, calling the caterpillar cake is a Marks and Spencer's cake, which is fantastic. Um, and if you didn't know already, up here in Scotland, we deep fry batter, whatever you want to call it, just about fucking anything. Not true. Mars bars, Snickers, sorry? I've never seen them, never seen one in my life. Uh, calling the caterpillar cake? No, uh, a deep fried anything other than what you usually get in a chip shop. Oh really? Like Mars bars, Snickers. I've never all sorts. Deep fried pizza. Deep fried pizza, yes, I've seen. Uh, see, I would probably say like a black pudding, but they do black pudding deep fried already. I'm not sure. I'm not. Maybe a square sausage. <sighs> that would be interesting. A lawn, a lawn square sausage. That would be my choice. I think that would be quite the treat. I bet you that's already been done. That'll be good for if you've just come out of a, a good swimming session in the morning with your pals or family and it's like, I don't know, half eleven, quarter to twelve during the day. So right. It's past breakfast and it's nearly lunch, so I'll have a square sausage supper. <laughs> or a, a deep fried potato scotted egg. I'd wonder how a deep fried egg would turn out. Because it would be encased, it would work quite well, I think. I don't know if it would work. Surely the yolk would break as you like batter it and then try to scoop up. No, maybe it wouldn't. 
could be interesting. Need to open it. Might need to try that. No. <laughs> Uh, right, this is rather random. What would you rather fight, a Freddo or a jelly snake if they were real? Fight? Yes. Um, well, probably a Freddo because the jelly snakes would just tangle around your wrist and... Like... True, and if the Freddo's made of chocolate then you could just turn the heat up and melt it. Uh-huh. Throw, <laughs> throw uh, fists of fire. That's it, just turn the temperature up in the house. Uh, right, last one for here. What's the best preparation of potatoes? Fri- deep fried. <laughs> deep fried? That's just a fritter, isn't it? Uh, well, it's funny, we were talking about baked potatoes a, a couple of months ago, were we not? I think so. Oh, where, where? It's a tough question because they come in many joyous forms. Do you know chips, French fries? Is that too much of a cop out answer? Probably. I don't think you can beat the good old fashioned roast potato. Oh, or a potato croquette. Oh yes. Uh, right. Moving on. This comes from Murray, Muzza underscore 44. Three questions. How do you fancy our chances at the Euros? And just to tie in the second one, this is his first ever time watching Scotland a major tournament. What was your first time and what do you remember from it? Eh, how do we fancy our chances? I think we can get out of the group. I think that Croatia game is huge and it's going to be the last game. Um, if we beat Czech Republic I think it sets it up nicely mm-hmm. for that Croatia game because I think basically the winner goes through in that, that moment because I expect England to win all three games um, probably but I, no, I definitely fancy our chances to get through the group uh, I think I think it's a decent it's a decent team um, I think there's some quality all over the place um, defensively I think they're pretty decent I like our midfield um, and First time watching Scotland Major Two was the first time. I think the first time was probably Euro '96. Yep. Um, and obviously it's a Gaza goal. You probably remember more than anything. But I would probably put. I would mostly France '98 sticks out that little bit more because obviously we were a little bit older. I think I was in primary seven at that point. Um, and I remember watching Brazil versus Scotland in the first. Uh, I think it was the first game. Yep. So those were probably my early memories, but like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to Euros. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what what we're going to do. I'm not too I mean, this is literally uncharted territory for a generation of Scotland fans and players. So there's going to be some people in that team who weren't alive when Scotland were last in the World Cup or the Euros. So from that side of things it is uncharted territory they've just been pretty dogged in their affairs so far I can't see I can't see anything flashy I can't see any upsets if they do get through it will be with tight, tightly squeezed 1-0 victories here and there I don't see it being a like sort of exuberant display or anything no but I think we know that anyway I know. you know it's not going to be flashy 
I was in France with the school during World Cup 98, so mm-hmm. that's where France was. So it was World Cup fever, which was good. Yep. Uh, but my earliest memory was, like yourself, Euro 96, and the one that sticks out the most is, it might have been the Switzerland game, where it was all over for Scotland already. So it was basically just an exhibition. And I went out to the ice cream van for a family to get some cones and whatnot. You know, your, your individual fags and 10p yep. boxes. Um, the good days. And then I heard people shout from a nearby house, so I sprinted back to the house and saw that Ali McCoist scored a wonder goal. Oh, I remember that. So that's not, a, not exactly the earliest memory of Euro 96, but the only decent one. And and Yuri Geller uh, claimed to bend the ball when Gary McAllister took a penalty against England. Mm-hmm. Bastard. Yeah, I remember that. And then they literally went up the other end and scored, I think. They did. That was that was Gascoigne's goal. Yep. Um, right, so Murray's final question is a wrestling-related one. Um, and he asks, what do we think of Andrade's debut in AEW and what type of dream matches uh, do we look forward to? <sighs> I felt the debut was kind of flat. I'm not going to lie to you. I really didn't think... I don't know if it was handled well or whatnot, but I just felt it was really, really flat. Really flat. Um, I don't have an issue with pairing him with Vicky because he does need a mouthpiece. And um, I mean, she can get heat. Like She's great on the mic. I think in an ideal world, they would have wanted Zelina Vega as well to pair up with him. Um, but overall, I felt it was flat, but m- moving forward, it's just going to be so good to... like to watch some of his matches. Uh, really looking forward to it. He's obviously facing Omega. Um, I can't remember exactly, but it's coming up soon. Um, dream matches. Oh, I'm, I'll try and stay away from like the obvious ones. Um, I would really like to see him against uh, the Bastard Pack. Oh, my word. I would I'd really like to see that. Um, like I say, the obvious ones, obviously, what's you the likes of Omega, Mox, etc., etc. Um, but Pack comes to mind straight away, if I'm honest. That's a very good shout. I didn't see the the debut. I do question the having him with Vicky because yes, he needs a mouthpiece. Yes, he'll heat. But what what happened with her and Nyla Rose? That just fizzled out very, very quickly. So do they hold stock in Vicky as a manager? And if not, why pair him with a very, very good signing? I don't know. I like Vicky. Oh, don't get me wrong. Vicky's great. Just, I'm not... They don't They don't match well. They're not a good match together. If I'm being That's honest. why I think they've been banking on Zelina Vega. Uh, I think it's a great acquisition for AEW because... Yes, you've got a lot of luchadors and very highly highly skilled wrestlers, but with skill, with those high with those high risk spots, there's been an awful lot of injuries, an awful lot of botches. Uh, I don't think Andrade is botched material. I think no. Andrade is very very technically sound. Hardly ever makes a mistake, and I think he could, as a result of that, if AEW is all about the work rate, then fucking fire him right into the main event spot instantly 
because I, as matches with Omega, they've got the Triple A title. Uh, I'd just fire him into the main event scene instantly. He's a big, big get for AEW. I wouldn't do it instantly because I feel like they've brought in some high-profile people only to have them lose, like their first significant match or feud. Fair Not enough. a fan of that. That's a good point. Um, but like I say, as a guy is just as close to as perfection as you can get. And knowing, I'd agree. So, and the fact that we don't have to go out our way to try and watch them on a weekly basis as well, which is nice. So, yeah, um, it's an awesome signing. Um, and while we're on it, AEW and China and Dradi, like XWWE thing, just want to say like people take too much stock into XWWE guys signing with um, AEW. I think I saw something like 40% of AEW's roster is made of XWWE guys, but if you went through WWE's roster, like, you would say about 35-40% are probably made up of like either a combination of Impact or Ring of Honor, for instance. Um, so it's just, that kind of stuff is just like enough. But I think, and, and the other thing you need to remember, it, it wasn't Tony Khan that made the statement that we're not going to just sign a W W guy unless I'm mistaken it was Jericho. Well you know, so certain individuals in AEW need to they need to have a wee chat before they start saying things off the cuff like that. Yeah, that is it. But I, I don't take much stock into a lot of things that people say anyway, because you're like, do you know what, like a day later, such circumstances may change. Uh-huh. You can turn around and say we're not signing any of the XWW guys, but what if Roman Reigns walks out tomorrow and, and is a free agent? You're not going to go out and get him, and vice versa. You know, somebody like Omega walks out of AEW, like, you don't think WWE are going to be banging on his door. See, I see it differently with it. Yes, AEW have signed a lot of ex-WWE guys, and I do find other faults with AEW that I don't understand why they're not picked up on more. But with the ex-WWE talent, WWE have had so many wrestlers under their umbrella like it's only natural that any of the any of those let go are going to be in other companies like they've had think of the ratio for these wrestlers compared to other companies it's huge like at one point you were talking 200 active wrestlers in their rosters combined mm-hmm. so no wonder no shit Sherlock that you're going to have XWWE guys in AEW so the comment from Jericho didn't help matters of course but this, like, these things happen. It happens. Uh, wrestlers are let go. They still want to wrestle. They're a big enough name within the IWC, which AEW is a market towards. It makes perfect sense. Some of the ones are a bit strange. The likes of Big Show and Mark Henry. Like surely they're in their winding down years. But with regards to all the names coming in, not much of an issue. Just a, a growing when it comes to the slagging off WWE stick. Stick. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay, let's move on. Um, next question comes from the one and only it's Ray Cash. Just Rance. A, just the one from Rance? Um, I think he's got a couple in here actually. Um, what's your take on the Alexa slash Shayna storyline on Raw? And your take on horror and wrestling in general? Five? Right. The Alexa Bliss story. 
this thing going on is not for me. Just because it's an offshoot from Bray Wyatt, get well soon, Bray. And it's just, it's I like it when wrestlers go into deep stories and all that. It's just one that I'm not enjoying. And I think with regards to horror within wrestling, it's a fine line, and I think it worked better way back when. Uh, when, when especially when kayfabe was a big deal. But I think now, too many fourth walls are being broken down for it to pay off. Uh, if, if there's a tongue-in-cheek element to it, such as the... I can't remember what the actual match was, but it was like some sort of haunted house match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes, and there were zombies in there, and it worked well because it was all pre-recorded. It was one of those um, cinematic numbers, and it was fine. It it did what it was intended to do, but when it's mixed in with real things, it's not for me. That's not to say what the women involved are doing isn't good. Like I genuinely don't understand how Alexa Bliss still with WWE and not in acting she's surely been going to get called up at some point but with regards to Shayna and Alexa if you're paired with Alexa Bliss currently Vince and other higher management clearly value Alexa Bliss if she's not in the title picture she is an attraction Uh, YouTube views are off the charts any pairings that she's had it's, it seems like it's worked well in terms of her staying on screen. So if Shayna stays on screen, I'm all for it. Because I was more annoyed with Shayna not being on screen round about Money in the Bank time last year. Yes, Shayna's the badass from NXT and I miss her terribly. I really do. But I think it's just one of those instances where Vince is testing Shayna as much as possible. Right, I'm going to throw all this shit at you and see what sticks. And if Shayna can pull it off, one day down the line, Vince will see all that hard work that Shane has put in and say, right, there we go, we're going to put you in the title picture. Happens all the time. He's gone. Um, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no issues if you hate it. Like, I get it. Um... But I don't, I don't worry for Shayna's position within the company. If that, makes I sense. don't worry for for either. But in terms of just relevant to the question, um, in terms of storyline and horror in general, that kind of stuff I hate. <laughs> I think when you look at someone like say, uh, people are going to say I'm just being, uh, I'm standing for him and marking out for him. But I think if you look at someone like cult leader Bray Wyatt, that was never a horror type thing. You know, that was just a creepy southerner in the woods and I've got a cult. Um, the taker thing, for instance, like, you look at it now and you're like, oh, God, that looks terrible, that was cringe. But it's kind of who he is and how he's been that entire time, so you're kind of like, well, well we get it. I think if I was, so let's say, 25 years younger or something I would be all on board and be like oh my god that's so scary like what the hell you know mm-hmm. so I can maybe admit that it's not targeted for people like me and you but just that kind of stuff in general like nah doesn't do it for me um like could you imagine someone like Papa Shango nowadays coming down with the, the you know holding out like the skull and suddenly someone's like is that what happened with Shane it's kind of like oh my god suddenly you know, they lose a limb like we used to do. 
Um, the boogeyman. Yeah, so like I say it's just not for me. Just not for me personally. I'd rather, I'd obviously rather, I'll be honest, I thought uh, Shayna and Nia Jax's pairing, them as a tag team, I was actually rather invested in the whole women's tag team division for a good couple of months before and after WrestleMania, thanks to my uptake of SmackDown viewing, and I thought the women's tag team division was swimming along nicely. Lots of contenders, lots of clearly laid out, fleshed out tag teams, and uh, I had no problems with it, even with Reginald coming in and um, sowing seed of, seeds of dissension within tag teams. No problem with it at all. And I thought it was quite a d- nice dynamic between Shayna and Nia Jax. So to see that and then see the, the Alexa Bliss Lily carry on, not my cup of tea, that's fine. I'm not I'm not a regular viewer of Raw at the moment anyway. So it's, it's not something I'm going to shout to the rooftops about. Yep. I haven't watched Raw in a long time. Same here. Other other than catching bits that might interest me. Uh, moving on, got a question here from at PC Tunney. Who have we all, who have you got for Euro twenty twenty? Okay. And he's got a hashtag Germany. Um difficult to see past the French. Mm-hmm. That front three of Mbappe, Benzema, Griezmann. Benzema is the, Benzema is the um is a game changer right there. I think he takes them from being, in my opinion, like I would say favourites to it'd be pretty stunning if France don't win it now, type thing. Um and then I think if you look at defensively, likes of Varane, Lucas Hernandez, um, Kimpembe in there as well, uh, and then mid the midfield, um, Kante, Pogba, Tolisso, maybe Rabiot, like Pogba and Kante and Kante, Pogba and Golo Kante together, like that's just that's just phenomenal. You're not going to get much better than that. French, the French, although I'm not going to rule out Portugal, um, that front four, in a sense of front six, well, front four of Portugal, Ronaldo, Jota, Silva, Bruno Fernandes all started tonight. Neves started, you got Diaz in uh, centre-back, Cancelo, Cancelo potentially right-back, and Patricio in goal, so Portugal are in with a real shout and I think England will go very far. I, I think England will reach a final, actually. Well, I'm always a big fan of the German squad. They're a very industrious machine, and I, especially under um, Droch from Love, their way of playing is exactly the kind of football that I like to see. Just driving forward, it's like it's the equivalent of watching a rugby team play football, if they could play football, if that makes sense. Just always driving forward, always together. So they're a very industrious machine. But France, when on form, are a very well-oiled machine. They're very slick, but industrious, and I think that gives them the edge. However, uh, keep an eye out for the Belgians. I'm just going to say yeah. that every every international tournament, keep an eye out for the Belgians. 
Because a few years ago they had a really good youth setup, and I think it's just a matter of time before they all reach their prime and shock some people. You heard it here first. Yeah, um, I think the Italians are a kind of sleeper team. I think they're always a type of sleeper type team, but um, you know, it's difficult as is. The Dutch, unfortunately, don't have Van Dijk, don't have Van de Beek, so that's a big blow for them. But yeah. it's just so difficult to see past um, the French. I think just looking at the tables, you're looking at well, England will play. Um, I think who did England play potentially in the quarters? Sorry, um, they're in Group C, aren't they? England are we in are we in C or D? What are we in again? Oh, the number the group numbers I couldn't tell you. But anyway, I said I expect if I'm going with French, no D. I'm going with the French. Um, definitely going with the French. Sacre bleu, Ricky. Sacre bleu. No, that's it. Um, I'm just looking at the fixtures right now, actually. So the group winner of D will face the runner-up in F. So we are potentially for England. We could be looking at, say, England versus either Sweden, Poland or Slovakia. Like I said, so I expect them to go through quite comfortably there. Um, so, yep. Uh, yeah, I'm going with French, going with French. You should put a bet on. I can't imagine it also be that great. Group E winner. So after that, see, it could be England and Spain. After, well, actually, I think England, England reach final, and I think it could be England and France. Back to the 1600s we go. <laughs> yep. Um, Barry, no, I'm not going to read your question out, but the answer is no to that. I'll, I'll read you the question not. out. <laughs> uh, well I've not got it open right now basically uh, Barry is going through a difficult time in his love making time and he's wondering if he should start faking orgasms no you shouldn't Barry, what you should do is head on over to bluetooth.com they'll help you out, they'll help you sustain a, a strong, robust yet flexible erection so even if you're not uh, able to reach that final furlong, you'll have a, a damn good time trying to reach that anyway. Don't fake orgasms. Uh, there's there's the hashtag. That's that's the hashtag that I want to get trending this week. Don't fake orgasms. It just ends in, it just ends in guilt on all sides. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Rance asks another question um, at it's Ray Cash. And he asks, is wrestling better off with or without crowds, and why? Hmm. That are both. Yes, I was thinking that. I think I've enjoyed watching a lot of the matches without fans, but then when you saw the fans at AEW and then WrestleMania as well, you know, you're kind of like, oh, that's amazing. And same with football in a sense as well. When you saw the fans, you're like, I've actually forgot what it's like now. And you kind of forget how good it can be at times. Um, maybe even if they'd done fans at just pay-per-views only, I, I don't know. Yeah. Or the um, big four. I don't think there's a 
a definitive right answer there um, for myself, if I'm honest. You're, you're right, I agree with you. There isn't a definitive answer because, yes, especially things like NXT takeovers where like it's a very smart, heavy crowd and they'll eat up anything you do and it works really well for them. Um, or the WrestleMania or the SummerSlams, which is the sort of the cool kids WrestleMania, where you get the matches that you want and all that. So from a wrestling, from a sort of pomp and circumstance side of things, I would say you do need a crowd. It's better with a crowd, especially for specific moments. But it's a very hard ask to say that some wrestlers have not benefited and increased their their own character stock greatly during the, the silent the silent arena era or the sort of sound studio era talked about it last week Roman Reigns, the tribal chief stuff when that started, that would not be where it is today if we didn't, if we weren't able to hear that quiet menacing dialogue between uh, that he directed at Jey Uso in that first match defending the Universal title uh, and everything that led on from that we would not have got that if we had a yep. so I'm always always thankful for that because like genuinely this is one of the best world's like main event title runs I've seen in a maybe ever I don't know that's that's a lot of that's a hot take maybe not but it's very superlative in my opinion uh, you wouldn't have seen the the greatness of Bailey's descent into utter madness over the last wee while uh, Sami Zayn's descent into madness with all the, the shouting and the barking uh, Asuka in the sort of springtime, summertime, Nikki Cross in the springtime, summertime. A lot of these wrestlers thrived without a fan, without any fan in attendance. So it's really hard. I mean, the Dexter Loomis thing during the springtime last year, not even any fans at ringside if it was extras or trainees. The, the whole Dexter Loomis gimmick worked really well with nobody there at all. It just added to the sort of claustrophobic silence he brings to everything so it's a really hard question to answer definitively but yep. it's a good talking point and it's one of those ones you could say who works best without yep uh, right moving on quite a few more to get through this comes from the one and only Tolly himself at Rain Counter WWE brings back the hardcore title who are you picking as your first badge of challengers to establish the division it's a tough question because... It is, because I wouldn't bring the title back. No, it's because there's a 24-7 title just now. Yeah, well, I say that's scrapped. Right. But I wouldn't bring it back because I think it'd be such a diluted version of what the original actually was. Aye, it would be like... You know, these fucking... Uh, for like, obvious reasons, I'm not saying I want to see people like being ripped from limb from limb and, you know, taking headshots and all that, but it just wouldn't be... It wouldn't feel that hardcore in a sense, I think, just... No, I wouldn't, but to answer it, um, I'm just trying to think who would fit the bill. Hmm. And I don't want to give it to just people who are like, oh, well, they've got nothing to do. Like, I kind of want some of them to fit the bill. Well, Rance had maybe jokingly <sighs> said Drew Gulak. Now, his big gimmick in 205 Live was that it was a no-fly zone. He was very dead set against leaving the the ropes, uh, leaving the mat. But mm-hmm. there was also something he did in combat zone wrestling where he was a big deal in CZW 
but it was it was like a no hardcore zone. So if he was involved in it, I think that would be interesting. Like him somehow becoming the hardcore champion, but not not taking kindly <laughs> to hardcore rules. Yeah, refusing to use weapons and stuff. Aye, comedic relief. Yeah, uh, could could work. Could work. See, to be honest, like if you want to take the hardcore title seriously, I would say that would ha- have a good home in AEW. Mm. Uh, got a lot of. There's been a, quite a few lights out matches in its infancy. A lot of street fights and just you know death matches in general. When you include them all, I think there's a good home if if it was ever to happen for AEW to have something like an, a hardcore title where you've got these death matches and stuff um, have someone a big name like Moxley to be the centrepiece of that and it's yeah. got, it's got an audience there like people do dig these hardcore matches definitely that would be actually a good session um, moving on this one comes from the boss um, Mr Jeremy Donovan at Jeremy L Donovan one half of keeping it strong style any thoughts on Shingo's title win? I mean, that will be mostly directed at me, I guess. Well, and I then will... says, speaking of titles, when will there be a defence of the quiz time championship? It's been way longer than 60 days. And then I, I am Caleb B. Chimes in and says, I agree, Jeremy. I have a question. Why is RNC contingency protecting the young boy? Listen, first of all, Caleb, you're shouldering into these championship contentions more than Charlotte Flair, so just simmer down, pal, okay? To be fair, I think I've had several conversations with him saying, yep, you, you will get you on for a title shot. But there's a one-on-one rematch, and we'll look at it. There is. There is. There is. We'll get there eventually, soon. Um, thoughts on Shingo's title win? Uh, right, if you want a definitive breakdown of the entire show, go, please go listen to Keeping It Strong Style. Of course. Uh, I think they had was it Chris Samson Samson on this week. I think I've not I've yet to listen to it. It's just, it's just kind of been chaotic for me this week. Uh, I've not listened to any podcast this week. Um, they only come out in Wednesday mornings for us now, though, so understandable. What the keeping it strong style? Mm-hmm. No, it, it's out. I saw it popping up on my my um, my notifications. Um, ah, it's like still Wednesday morning, sixteen hours ago. Yeah. So you should. Have oh, sorry, to I thought now. I thought it was Tuesday for a second there. Ah, right. Because um, thoughts on Shingo's title win? Um, obviously, like I said, if you want that definitive breakdown, go listen to those guys. I, I think, only watched New Japan for a couple of years now. It felt. Almost kind of like Kofi's title win, in the sense that it was like this is kind of different, you know. Because really, you could probably name the same four or five guys that you know you expect to be in those spots of winning the titles. And I think a lot of people thought, well, we'll just go, we'll probably now just go with the normal standard safe. Safe's not the right word. For Kada. Um so I would have to say it felt like when Kofi won it, even though I felt even though we thought Kofi was going to win it, but it was different, it was new, it's not something we'd seen before for a, like if it, if it was, it was for a while, a real 
shock title win that everyone was like on board with. I haven't saw any negative thoughts on this from this is on Twitter or anything, and I'll, and I'll be interested to hear what the Keeping It Strong Style guy says. Um, so that would be my opinion on it. Um, and on top of that, um, he's already had like a pretty, pretty damn decent six months or five months or what you want to say. Um, he's had matches with Okada and Osprey. Um, there was a Tanahashi match, and there's one that's skipping my mind, and he was on the damn card. Oh my god, he was on. He was just on the card. Oh, Jeff Cobb. Mm-hmm. By the way, I fucking love Jeff Cobb. Well, he, he introduces everyone to the show every week. Yes, absolutely love him. Um, I said I was really looking forward to that match. I was in, I was a match I was most, most excited about. Um, having a bush and obviously um, at the end of it, Shingo obviously, you know, it looks like we're going with we're going with Shingo and a bush as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, Jeff Cobb, beast. Um, but yeah, it it just felt different. Shingo when you know, like yeah. I, I like that. I like no matter what it is, I like just sometimes if they just deviate from what we think they're going to do or the norm um, and just give us something completely different. But in this instance, like I said, it seemed to be like a universally well-liked decision. That's that's what I was going to say because I've not got much to add. I've not seen Dominion, but I have not seen one negative critique of Shingo winning the title. No. Uh, it's been met with a lot of love. And I just want to give another shout out to Jeremy Donovan himself. This was two days ago on his Twitter. Uh, you've been talking about Shingo being top notch just last wee while. I know it's not advised to talk about Wrestler of the Year until after G1 is done, but Shingo has put together one heck of a resume so far. He's had Match of the Year calibre matches with Cobb, Tanahashi, twice with Osprey and twice with Okada again. He, uh, Jeremy has a hard time seeing anyone surpass him. And as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy Donovan is like a... He's a New Japan expert. He knows every detail, all the ins and outs. I mean, they do a podcast about it weekly. One of the best New Japan podcasts out there. Probably the best. One of the most informative anyway. Uh, I would very much hold Jeremy's opinion. I would give weight to his opinion. So I think it's... It seems like a very happy decision all round to have Shingo as the champ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm saying. So just no, no, um, no one complaining about it. Mm-hmm. Which that's, is very rare. Which kind of very, very rare. Um, right, moving on. Let me get back onto Twitter. This comes from Cy Powell at SGP Words. Halloween, Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. You could only keep one film series. Oh, what was it? Uh, Friday the 13th? Uh, yep. listen, that's a, a no-brainer for me. That is the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, I would agree. I'm not, I'm not a huge Halloween. No, neither am I. No. Uh, 
I don't like, this guy just casually walks, and yet no one seems to be outsprinting him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that suspension of disbelief that there's just that one thing that I can't get by with these horror slasher flicks is when they're walking and they still catch up with them. Uh, I've never been a huge Halloween fan. I know Barry, the the one who's having a bad love life apparently right now. <laughs> uh, he's he's obsessed with Halloween. It's not my maybe that's what's affecting his love life. Ah, he's too busy trying to picture Michael Myers when he's at that sweet spot. <laughs> yep. Uh, but if you got rid of the series of Nightmare on Elm Street, you would get rid of the third ep- the third instalment, which was all these victims to date had were in a mental home, and they were all trying to stay awake for like the whole film. And at the end of the day, if you've got a bad guy who gets you in your dreams, you are fucked. Yep. Uh, Freddy Krueger, he gets, he gets, doesn't get a lot of praise these days, and I think that's unfair. Freddy Krueger's a fucking excellent baddie, horror baddie. Do you remember um, Candyman? Yes, I've, I wasn't a big fan of the original, but I really want to see the remake or reboot whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, moving on. Got a Sam here. A Sam here. A question here from <laughs> Sir Sam, Sam which I want to keep as the last question because I, I, I really like it, actually. Okay. Um, moving on, we've got two questions here from one and only Dr. Smalls, a.k.a. Kyle Moores. Um, what cool things are both your kids into right now? And the second question is, he says, and for a wrestling question, where should Buddy Murphy go next and what would you do with him if you ran a federation? Hmm. Hey, what are the kids into? Um, Eldis is absolutely obsessed with football at the moment. Obsessed. Right. Um, and the younger one is just just a maniac. In fact, he he likes football as well. Actually, he, he he's always a goalkeeper now. Um, but he's overly dramatic. As soon as the ball touches his legs, because he broke his leg a while ago, touches his leg and he decides my leg's broken again and hobbles away. <laughs> Sounds Only like, to be seen running at 100 miles an hour trying to steal some sweets from somewhere. Sounds like that fucking... What's that Brazilian player's name? We arsehole. Neymar. Neymar. <laughs> you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> Sounds like him. Uh, and the second question, what would you do with Buddy Murphy? I wouldn't mind seeing him. I would have liked to see him in the G1. I think yeah. that'd be pretty cool. Um, I think he ends up in AEW, though. Um, I think he's... Wherever he's going to go, going to watch him. Definitely, I think he's just that damn good. And I think WWE, I, I rarely say WWE dropped the ball on people because I think that's just overused. But I think they did badly here because he's just, he's phenomenal in the ring. Aye. He really, really is. And I get a lot of people say, well, you know, guy can't speak and all that. I get it. But, you know, his wrestling stands out above a lot of people's. Aye. So, yeah, I could see him. I hope he doesn't go to places like, no offence, but I don't want him going to like Impact or um, NW or anything. Um, yep. I think he could find himself a nice home AEW, but like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the G1 or in the Super Juniors. Super Juniors? Um, so, yeah, like I said, let's hope he doesn't um, end... And some promotion, it's difficult to. It doesn't suit him. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah, out of those releases last week, Buddy Murphy was the one that hurt the most. I didn't have much in the way of joy 
during his um, Blake and Murphy run in NXT. I thought it was decent enough. But the, this was around the time when I was doing the columns for 205 Live on wrestlingheadlines.com. Like, I followed Buddy Murphy as a singles act from the beginning. Put in some absolute bangers with Kalisto, of all people. Uh, I'll never forget his series and especially his... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what it was. It was a hardcore match or a no, f- no DQ match or something. But uh, basically, it ended up being a stairs match with Mustafa Ali, and that was just a, an absolute work of art. Yeah, uh, I think, and I know people might laugh at this, right? But I mean, like, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. But he's without, he's like on that, he's Mount Rushmore of two hundred five. Like oh, when you used oh, to talk about two hundred five and how great it was, like. I think straight away three people come to mind and it's Neville slash Pac, Ali and Buddy Murphy. Aye. I would say those three and G- Gulak. Uh, Gulak for different reasons, but those three for their work rate. Um, so Buddy Murphy getting canned, was, that was a sore one personally. Uh, I've always enjoyed Buddy Murphy. Uh, but and it's I hate saying it but he's just not got anything else going for him apart from Beast Wrestling so with that in mind I think the best place for him would be New Japan because if he was to do a thing like a G1 he could just turn up wrestle put out bangers against a plethora of opponents like all of them basically Um, if he didn't win much in the G1 he would certainly win the hearts of people watching it's close to his home so there's not much in the way of travel. There's enough guidance there for him to sort of feel not safe, that's not the word, like feel comfortable, comfortable, not alone. Uh, and definitely could, like, with the New Japan press conferences, they're allowed to swear and cuss however they want. He's a, he's a gobby Australian. That'll suit him down to a tee. So... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I would say New Japan's the best place for Buddy Murphy to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do with him, just the same, just the same as we saw in Two Hundred Five Live, just put out banger matches. Not even caring about like promo. Just fucking, if he needs a if he needs a mic, um, someone on the mic for him, fine. But just it's a, it was a joy to watch, and it's sad to see him go, especially when he was so prominent and present. Seth Rollins for so long so shout out to Buddy Murphy especially yeah to see him in either the G1 or best of super juniors would be awesome yeah, you know like just from a pure wrestling perspective but just because you briefly touched on it 
um, talking about the releases from last week. To me, the biggest stunner was Braun. That's a very bizarre one. Uh... That, to me, and I don't know if it was in our WhatsApp group or it was in the Social Suplex Messenger group, someone basically says that you get the impression if he, if he doesn't wrestle for WWE, he's not wrestling again. You know, so I just thought he was a proper WWE guy for life and would never be going anywhere because whatever you want to say about him, he's always going to be that, like, um, in a sense, what Big Show was, just, like, this spectacle and, like, well, he'll get a title shot from now and then because he's so big and, you know, freaky. So, but that 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 was that was the biggest stunner out of them all for me. It was bizarre. Um, to, to answer Kyle's other question, my eldest, they are... They only recently stopped watching Prison Break and they're watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that tells you what's going on with my eldest, my middle... Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller, aye. My, my middle... Um, they've recently been... Not recently. It was, it was last year, but there are a lot of friends out in our neighbourhood area. So she's out a lot. Um, she doesn't really stick to one hobby. She's watching telly. I watch some Yu-Gi-Oh with her play cards with her, play games with her, but she's always just got her, her hand in many pies. The young one, he watches some god-awful channels on YouTube, uh, like the gamers that play games and muck about with the, the game's engines and stuff. Uh, so he's just YouTube channel daft. The the other youngest, we've actually introduced a, a cat to the family who's sleeping beside me just now. So far he has... Um, made my wrist look like I've been having a chat with Freddy Krueger uh, slept on my head and almost pulled down curtains and stuff so four months get rid of it oh uh, he's a rescue cat it's one of those ones I was just dropping out to the family there you know what I mean Ricky it's one of those ones I'll end up being a cat well, person in a week or two but brownie points right exactly brownie points Ah, uh, right. Moving on. This one comes from Calf's other half, Jan the Man. Um, and he is at Jan the Seco. What's your favourite snack? This, hmm. is, this is very easy. Go a on. A salt and vinegar packet of crisps. Or chips. See, I like very salted or tomato ketchup crisps as well. Tomato ketchup, uh, I understand. Like whenever I have a packet, I think, "Oh, do you know what? That was lovely." Speaking of fish, you know I've not had in a long ass fucking time. Flaming hot monster munch. Neither have I. Right, yeah. but my favourite type of snack. Hmm. I do like grapes. Right. Um, and currently, I'm obsessed with laffy taffies. <laughs> I ordered two boxes from Amazon like a couple of months ago, and I and I, I came out. I was in a shop earlier on. And I noticed them and I bought like twenty of them. Do you know what's really nice? Actually, I've changed. Well, I'll always revert back to a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. And when you're talking about the best biscuit, look no further than an Empire biscuit. But recently, uh, I've been having like we we sort of kid-sized bowls of blocks of extra mature cheddar so like I cut the cheddar up into the size of dice like small dice 
a dozen or so, and then a, a handful of salted cashews. Mm-hmm. The salt goes onto the ch- extra mature cheddar cheese, and you've got that slight texture crunch with a cashew. Ricky, delightful. Interesting. You know what I actually like as well right now? And the, the Foxy's biscuits, the Foxy's jam and cream. The classics? Uh, no, not the classics, but it's just, it's so what it is, it's um, like a vanilla cream with a raspberry jam right in the middle. That sounds, that sounds a, a bit biscuit like a either side. Viennese whirl, kind of. Uh, but, uh, it, it kind of looks like it, but it's not. Mm. Same same colour, maybe a little bit like a cane sort of same concept. So, oh, food. ladies and janitors, uh, cheddar of your choice cut into the shape and size of dice, along with the, an equal amount of cashews, the delicious salted cashews, of course. I do like Greek yogurt with grapes, some dark chocolate and some nuts in it. Oh, that sounds lovely. That's lovely. <clears throat> so, our next question comes from the one and only Mags at Podfather Mags. Oh, oh, oh Magington. Mr. Mags. With all the political turmoil, the only one from the last couple of weeks that, you know, I'm still on good terms with. <laughs> <laughs> with all the political turmoil, constant environmental crisis, the population is fractured as ever, and seemingly no light at the end of a tunnel. What's your favourite cut of steak? That's directed at me, I believe. That's an easy, quite easy answer, but go on. Well, listen, I have tried every variation. I've tried medium, rare, well done. And I've even tried just good old-fashioned frying steaks. I've tried mags with a frying steak. And steak is just disgusting. Like, full stop. It's one of the worst meats out there. Yeah, I, sometimes I've, I'm listening to other podcasts and they're saying, oh, no, this is how you do a steak. This is how you do a steak. Do you know what you do with a steak? You fling it in the bin and shoot the bin. That's what you do. No. A medium rare steak. Um, I do like the ribeye, but... I would have to go with, without a doubt, um, a medium rare rump steak. And I believe, I think, is the rump not the, the backside? It is. Now, if you know Ricky, <laughs> Ricky. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am an ass man, and this is where Caleb would have his Billy Gun thing, and we should have, we should have had it play in the background. If you know me, it should come as no surprise to you that my favourite steak is the favourite part of the meat is from the ass. Cannot beat the rump. I actually had some rump steak the other week. Fantastic. I just maybe I've just not maybe I haven't had it right. I tried it like we had frying steaks and it was my suggestion. We do a food plan like a week ahead so we can sort out the shopping, mm-hmm. the shopping list. 
and my wife um, she cooked it extra for me because I think I thought to myself I can only handle well done and it felt like I was chewing a bike saddle that's because you had it well done so maybe I'll have it one more chance one more I don't know when I don't know where but I'll have one more attempt at a steak and then one week I'm going to just like put out a video on Twitter destroying mags specifically for this question (laughs) Love you, man. Hey, the good man asked another question. What's your favourite hidden gems on Netflix? Have you got any? Um, I, I I like I like Queen of the South on Netflix. Right. Um, I don't know if you ever see it, saw it, or heard of it. Uh, I've I've seen adverts. I think there's actually adverts on the illegal NXT stream that I've got. <laughs> oh, is there? Uh-huh. I yeah, I actually liked um. Queen of the South, and I don't know many people have actually watched it. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is on Netflix that I watched that was like it was pretty decent. Um, I mean, you can you can give your answers if you wish, but I'm just trying to think. Well, I actually had I had I saw this question the other night, and I suggested it to my wife because we usually watch our telly together. So I've got a few here. Uh, Hush which is a kind of a horror, but more of a suspense film where there's a a deaf woman lives on her own and it's a home invasion film. Fucking top-notch stuff. Like, really dread. In the true sense of the word, a dreadful film. Uh, (laughs) Bates Motel. The early days of Norman Bates. Very good. Uh, There's a film with Kiefer Sutherland and Dustin Hoffman called Flashback on Netflix. Where Kiefer Sutherland is like an FBI babysitter for Dustin Hoffman, who has been taken out of jail, and he's like a an extreme hippie guy. So, hijinks, traveling the states, very good fun. Uh, a couple of Stephen King adaptations with Gerald's Game in 1922, they're very good. And uh, lastly, is a series called Orphan Black, where there's a woman. Ah, uh, yes. Have you seen Orphan Black, Ricky? Mm-hmm. I saw adverts of us a few episodes. Yeah, it went down very well in this house. Same actress plays lots of different clones of one person. Sci-fi heavy. Uh, funny in parts, serious in others, wacky in others. But overall, a, a right good romp, and I do recommend Orphan Black. If anything, for the superb acting skills of the actress who plays all those clone roles. So... Orphan Black is my main shout from all that. And Hush. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Money Heist. It's, I think it's either... I think it was Portuguese. I'm sure it was Portuguese. Um, I don't know if it was in Portugal or maybe it was Brazilian. Um, obviously, it was a Portuguese language. Uh, if you see if you can get past the whole... They're not speaking English, but you've got you've got it translated in English. But Aye, kind of thing, if you can get past that. It's actually all right. Um, there's a film and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me but it's got Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan in it Jackie Chan's daughter dies in a in a bombing um, I just can't remember the name of it it's pretty decent if I'm honest right um, I heard Don't Fuck With Cats is supposed to be decent as well 
Right, I'll be saying that from now on. That's true, actually. By the way, uh, see, as a in, very quick aside, you know how some members of my family, they have names very close to wrestlers' names? Mm-hmm. Well, this cat, it was already his name before, the, the, the shelter, this was his name beforehand, but it's Dexter. So, Dexter <laughs> Loomis. <laughs> uh, I've got an architect, I've got a giant redwood, and I've got Dexter Loomis in the house. Um, I will say, I don't know if you watched it, but Shit's Creek, I thought, was just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Eugene Levy and his son were in it. Just, I thought it was so funny. Is that that S-C-H-I-T-T? Yes. Yes. And the final one, I'm trying to bloody remember the name of it, but it was a guy who basically stalked his girlfriend and like end up becoming like a pure psycho and I think end up killing her and stuff and then moved on to his next victim. Oh, what is your name? Is it you? Might be you. I thought that was pretty decent. you talking about this actually. Yep, you're right. Um, so there's a few. Right, we have a, another one from Clive. Sorry, Clive. <laughs> from Rance. So he's got, for Clive, what's your favourite 90s sitcom and why? And for Ricky, what's your off-season Super Bowl pick? Can't pick Philly. Fuck, I wouldn't pick them anyway. (laughs) Hey, on you go, Clive. (laughs) Well, you left out a a key component there, and there is a reason for that. Rance's question was, what's your favourite black 90s sitcom? Oh, I thought I said black. No, no. And again, Rance hasn't uh, narrowed it down. It was teen black sitcom because over in the UK there was a channel called Trouble, the Trouble Channel, hmm? like your usual sort of kids TV shows like Heartbreak High. Shout out to Sam and any other Australian listeners. Heartbreak High is what Dawson's Creek wanted to be but failed at miserably. <laughs> um, Trouble TV had you know Hang Time, City Guys, Moesha. Uh, I know that Nickelodeon had Keenan and Kel and Sister Sister uh, Meet the Parkers In the House God, honestly I was... In the House You remember In the House for Oh LL my Kool-J? god oh, That was fantastic yep. uh, uh, In the House with LL Cool J Hanging with Mr Cooper uh, The Steve Harvey Show Oh. Which was uh, Family Feud's very own Steve Harvey, who was a saxophonist stroke music teacher in a high school. Mm. Like It's very, very hard to pick an absolute favourite because uh, in my teens, absolutely loved coming home to watch all that stuff on Trouble TV. Keenan and Kel's right up there, though. I think childhood I... memories as sister, sister. I've got one you never mentioned. What? Everybody Hates Chris. Never, I don't know I've if that was 90s or not, though. I think that was actually later on on Channel 5 over here, one of the, the main channels. But I never. I, I thought I liked that. The wife watched that and she thought it was good. Uh, but in terms of teen black sitcoms, I think I have to go for Keenan and Kel. have to. But just the genre in general is absolutely wonderful. Love it. Fresh Prince yeah. as well. Fresh Prince, yep. Fresh Prince is up there as well. Ah, right, so... Super Bowl pick. Everyone says Tampa, but I'm not sure. 
Well, go for Denver. Den. See if Denver got Rogers. I think it's. I think it's them. All right, here we go. If. If I think I think if. No major injuries take place. I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys. Well, if uh, Sean Waltman was playing and they ended up in the finals against Denver, then the other team would win because of the Bronco Buster. <laughs> oh, Christ. Just, we should end the show on that. No, that yeah, was great. You should be impressed that I know that they're called the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I know. I thought I said the Denver Broncos, though. Oh, that's great. So those are my picks. This, and you like this question. Um, from Rain Counter, Tolly again. Favourite penny sweet? Oh, what a, what a question. And I think that's very much for the UK audience. I'm not sure if Americans, Australians, they had the phenomenon that was... You go into a, a ten p packet, a ten p mix. It's like you go into a, your local newsagents or your grocers, uh, your convenience store, and behind the counter they had small sweets like candy, foam candies and stuff like that. And it was an absolute highlight of the childhood. There's no doubt about it. I've got two contenders for my favourite penny sweet. It's either mm-hmm. the shrimp. Okay. Or the rhubarb and custard thing. Oh no! Right, so I think cola bottle right straight away. Everyone loves cola bottle, right? I don't like the pink and blue one. Um, now he's talking from experience gems. here because mm. Ricky, Ricky's worked in a a shop. My dad owned a shop, and I worked in. I grew up basically in a shop in a corner yep. shop. What, uh, what so in between, while being attacked either with knives or being racial abused I would have my face and penny sweets <laughs> um, just those three yes that's all that another place <laughs> um, this is so difficult do you remember now I think it was cherry flavour I don't know if it was cherry I can't remember but they had a little bit of sugar on it and they were white with like a pink wee top on it the tip of it was pink. I can't remember the name of these. Say that again. I think it. So it was it was like ninety percent of it was white, and then at the top it was just like a little pink touch of pink, and it was covered in sugar. Do you mean the things that when you ate them they dissolved instantly? No. What are they? I don't know what these are called. Eh. Uh... Campinos, kind of like, kind of like these. I'll send you it right. Send yeah. you the photo, and you tell me. When we were younger, they were shaped slightly different. And so I'm about to send you it right now on WhatsApp. So it's not Campinos. No. Is the photo coming in? Yep, it's coming to you right now. And well, there's. They're called the strawberry tarts. Uh, I can't remember seeing them in the penny sweet jar. Oh, really? I like, do you remember the green and yellow turtles as well? Uh-huh. I like uh, them. Um, fried eggs. 
that's it. That's the one. I was that's... getting to it. That is the favourite fried eggs. I, I can't hate on that answer, uh, but shrimp and or rhubarb. For anyone if not from the UK, they didn't actually taste like eggs. Aye, it's just but... it's like small foam candy. That oh. You can literally, like, if you end up buying, like, the newspaper for the house or bread and milk and it says 97 pence, you can say to the <laughs> shop, three, three penny sweets. Aye. <laughs> they were the days. They were the days. Oh. Uh, but thanks to inflation, a fried egg probably costs a pound fifty these days. That's <laughs> it. Uh, Fuck the Tories. Uh, oh, definitely. That's a great, oh, fantastic penny question. Sweets. Penny sweets. But they're just, they're not made the same now. Mm-hmm. They're just not. Um, I mean, you get, I think, sometimes you see them at the tills. Those wee um, cherry things that you get these days, I'm partial to a wee cherry. I can't remember what they're called. I know what you're talking about. Just wee cherries the size mm-hmm. of like a £2 coin or something. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of what else was there. Like um, a wee foam banana as well. They were good, actually. Do you know what I'm a fan of? A lot of the shops, news agents and grocers and stuff have those stands that have a packet of sweets for 39 pence or three for a pound. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. They, they are so good. <laughs> you, know, you can buy a packet of cola bottles, a packet of fried eggs, a packet of uh, jelly babies, a pound, mash them all together and you've got yourself a fucking great Friday night. I agree. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I've possibly missed. Um, no, I think I got the ones that I liked. Did you know there's these um, dolphin-shaped, uh, not pens, which are like 10 or 15 pens, and they're like turquoise um, coloured, and they are fantastic. No, I've not heard of these. Oh, they're great. But I think I'm, I'm going with the fried egg. It's a uh, it's populist choice, that one. That definitely was a staple of your childhood. Fried eggs. <laughs> the sweet... No, I think that's it for me, actually. Okay. What a question. Uh, it was. Uh, right, we have two more. Do you want to answer this final one? Because I have no idea who this person is. I ask the question, because I want to address this. <laughs> no likes, no nothing. We don't know who in the next person is. How badly has the women's evolution ruined wrestling? Yeah, uh, I saw that one and I didn't like it. Like, I usually like the questions just to acknowledge that we've got it. Um, I can't remember who they are, this person. Look at the last, literally the last two episodes we just did, where we did a deep dive on the four horsewomen. We share no common ground with your question, I'm afraid. So I'm looking for it. He answers. Someone says, I watch a Dakota Kai versus Ember Moon match the same way I watch any wrestling match. That's two wrestlers I'm totally indifferent to. He replies saying, I find I'm fast forwarding every second of women's wrestling on WWE TV these days, even NXT. Why? 
Well, Paul, I think you might just be a bit sexist. Uh, just, just a tad. Um, and and clearly you are a fucking moron. Right. Uh, keep that, and I'm not taking out guys. Just an absolute fucking idiot. You can the the main roster booking for the women is as always divisive. Um, but personally, I think the NXT like the NXT stuff's great. There's layered stuff going on. It's not just the NXT women's title versus X. You've got the women's tag team. I think that's been a great thing, adding the women's tag team titles in. Um, it's given a lot of them a chance to shine. Look at Indy Hartwell. She's having the time of her life. Well, not from a kayfabe point of view. Um, her and Dexter, they'll get together one day. But the, the tag team women's scene in NXT is doing wonderful. Uh, you've even got undercard stuff with the likes of Zia Lee, Mercedes Martinez. Like it's, it was actually the first column I wrote as part of the brand extension series as NXT's women, women of war. Like they've they've got a sturdy, sturdy history of having the best women wrestlers in the business, and I think it continues today. Yeah. That's, I don't. I don't get the question at all. It makes yeah, no sense. You probably should. Um, right, here we go. Final question there, of the show. There is one more. I believe it's from is there? Bang Bang Podcast. Oh, I need to see that. It was a, oh, another xenophobic uh, one. Who sang the theme tune to Supergrand? Well. Uh, is that the one you were asking? I, yeah, I, I think this cool. comes from a let's slag people because they're Scottish thing. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I'm a big fan of the Bang Bang podcast. Enjoy your hiatus after episode 50, which was an absolute riot. But that's clearly a, you guys are Scottish, let's just slag you off with some super grand. But you'll be surprised to know that according to IMDb, uh, the series music for Super Grand was an Anthony Isaac, Dudley Simpson, Phil Coulter and a certain Billy Connolly was involved in the music for Supergrand. So, um, put that in your stout and drink it. Bang, bang, podcast. Cannot fucking wait to beat yours next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rage, the sort of rage was right there. Oh, no, we're going to get humped. No, it will be a pure 1-0 number. It, it actually, will be, it'll be close, it'll be close, but uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to beat them. The imp asked that last question, podcast episode and I said it's probably going to be 1-0 or something he did he, he didn't even say what do you think the score will be I'm pretty certain he goes how many goals do you think we're going to beat you by pretty much telling you <laughs> telling you um, if you look up victimised in the dictionary it's just a Scotland flag fucking deep fried food uh, super grand and shite football Oh, come on, Scotland, don't let us down. Well, we can't let us down, we have no expectation. There was another question from Rance, actually. Was there? I missed it. Uh, what, it was the Pride Month one. Oh, right, okay. So we've got two more. With it being Pride Month, what are some of your favourite LGBTQ moments? Can be in wrestling or just in general? Um, it's a tough one because let's be honest it's not really celebrated as much as it could be in the wrestling world so I'm going to be super recent with this and suggest that uh, I first saw him or her or however you want to say it as Exolicious in Lucha Underground 
more commonly now known as Sonny Kiss. I think Sonny Kiss being apologetically, uh, unapologetically himself, his first appearance in AEW, I believe, was with cheerleaders and all that. Um, so I would say, in terms of wrestling, Sonny Kiss is a, a positive with regards to the LGBT community. Okay, he might not appear that often, and that's one of those things that can go down a different road, but he's on dark enough, he's on dark elevation. Uh, so Sonny Kiss being front and centre in AEW in several ways, I think, is a very good thing. Nyla Rose as well. Uh, so I think in terms of diversity, in terms of the LGBTQ side of things, AEW are doing not too shabby in that front. Mm. Um, I suppose Obama made reference to them, to them, to the LGBTQ community in 2014, 15, I think in one of his um, State of the Union addresses, um, which I believe at the time was the first time that something like that has ever happened. Um, but you nailed it when it comes to wrestling, but see, even not in related to non-wrestling, um, for me, um, like a favourite moment was probably, and you know, you probably know where I'm going to go with this as soon as I mention the person's name, uh, when I first met Kyle, mm-hmm. not going to lie to you, um, to me, just if you're asking me personally, um, first ever person, um, uh, gay um, man, I've like could say that's a real good friend of mine, and yeah, I, I would, I would definitely put that down as a, as a, as a, as a favourite moment. That's a great answer. Shout out to Kyle Moore's. Literally, can't find a better person. Uh, that's true, and he's a teacher, which is a high. <laughs> exactly. It's not even a high pressure job; it's a high risk job in America, like a super mm. high risk. You fucking hear about shootings over there all the time. So, uh, whenever you see Kyle Moore's pop up on your t- your TL, give him a like. Definitely. I'm sorry. We've got one. We've got actually got two more questions. Who? What one have I missed now? Uh, a certain Swede one three seven has a, a question. I know, but I thought that was just a piss take from him, so I intentionally ignored it. Oh. <laughs> What's your favourite sticker album? Well, as Barry says, a good Panini one back in the day. Aye. Scottish Premier League one. You take stickers what? into school. You would trade your doublers. You know, haggle with each other. I don't know if sticker albums were a thing in America, Australia. Um, I think they were more just card oriented. Uh, but sticker albums, you know, you'd get your Scottish Premiership um, SPFL or SPL or however it was called back then. You'd get your album a couple of months into the season once all the transfers had been done. Uh, and you'd have all these empty rectangles in your your magazine. I did have a WWF one and I'm sure I had about 40 Texas Tornado Chinese doublers. Yeah, I think I had... But uh, the WWE one as well. It had to be the Scottish Football Premier League every year. Yep. Loved it, loved it. They were good days. Right, now this is actually the last question. From Australia's own Sir Sam, what is your favourite year of wrestling and why? Do you have an answer? Um. Yes. Go for it. 
2016 is up there. Okay. Um, but I would say 2007. I think Kurt Angle was in TNA or Impact at the time, and I think he pretty much held just about every single title. Um, I think that was also the year of uh, Batista and Taker had like a real good feud as well, but Mania and Backlash and stuff. Um, they had a last man standing match as well. Um, yeah, 2007. Like I said I thought the stuff impact. That was impact at its absolute like, greatest during that little period. Mm-hmm. But I would go with um, 2007, I may say. I, I could go, you know, you could go like some point in the 90s and stuff if you wanted, but. You know, I know, um, for instance, people will always tell you, like, the real boom of wrestling was generally, like, mid-80s to the early 90s. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we were only born in 87 and 86. So, you know, I can't turn around and give that as an answer, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've changed it slightly, it's Sam's question, just to be, like, my favourite year of what, like, when I was watching it you know, unfold kind of thing. Uh huh. So I, th- I may go two thousand and seven. Right. Well, it's interesting you say twenty sixteen because it's, that was a very good year. Um, I think it was enough. Twenty sixteen was super to the point that you and I decided to do a podcast about it. I think <laughs> being engulfed in the the internet wrestling community. Uh, which was admittedly less toxic at that time. Uh, that was did a lot in making me enjoy wrestling within the mid-teens of the, the 2010s. Uh, NXT, tw- NXT's 2018 was fucking ridiculous, but just that start of NXT getting a bit more serious with their stadium shows and stuff like that, 2016 was a super year. But like instantly and Barry has been mentioned a few times in the show 2005 was absolutely ridiculous uh, I'll remember it for a long long time mm-hmm. uh, so many highlights over the years you had the Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels rivalry you had the Batista Triple H rivalry and the Batista be- basically becoming a big deal at the time before I soured on him uh, John Cena John Cena vanquishing the the ever horrendous JBL. Uh, that was great. Th- this was the sort of time where Kurt Angle was just becoming that wrestling machine. It's just it was a big year for Kurt Angle. It was a massive year for Edge. Yes, twenty sixteen. Uh, sorry, two thousand six saw Edge begin to get the world title. Have his classic match with Mick Foley. Uh WrestleMania. Uh, the classic rivalry with John Cena. But it all started in 2005 when his career catapulted from solid, very, very solid mid-carder slash tag team specialist into a big deal with the Money in the Bank. Because as well, the Money in the Bank was brand new then. It was fresh. It was a new concept. It it meant so much more than it does today, where it literally is just a prop. Uh, Edge suited that suitcase, that briefcase, so well. And as as fate would have it, the carry on with Matt Hardy, 
it's a, a pivot, an absolutely pivotal year for Edge. Two thousand and five was, and I think as well, Undertaker. Uh, you'd mentioned talking about Undertaker earlier, and it came up in a group chat the other night about who's the best version of the Undertaker. I would say Undertaker from the late twenty, late two thousands is my favourite. Um, where the, the rest of the supernatural element to it, but he's there to get his his MMA gloves on and get some action on the go. That was my favourite. So 2005 with the Randy Orton Undertaker stuff as well. Just so many classic rivalries over those 12 months. Um, it's it's a it's a year I hold very fondly in my heart. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio as well. Just many, many top-notch rivalries, top-notch matches. Uh, look up and down those pay-per-views, you were guaranteed an absolute screamer. Even random ones like Big Show and Kurt Angle and JBL at the Royal Rumble. For the WWE title was a fucking screamer of a match. Um, they, obviously, they cut Angle and Shawn Michaels WrestleMania match, a monster of a match. The Triple H, Batista, Hell in a Cell, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio ladder match. The Hell in a Cell between Randy Orton and Undertaker. Just so, so many fond memories. Um, I wouldn't say they were my formative years, but it was a time where I'd not long turned 18 and there was a lot of, let's say, experimenting going on in terms of recreation. So lots of fun times. <laughs> uh, and I associate those fun times with wrestling. So 2005, by a long stretch. Those are good old weed days. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Uh, the zoot mm, days? Yep. Just cannot beat that. I think... Last point for me would be like, I think you kind of forget just when you think about it, the mid thousands in that general three, four year period was actually really good. Like, I just whenever I whenever I used to think about it, I used to always just think about, oh, Super Cena just destroying everyone. But if you get past that and you start to look into it a bit more deeply, you're like, do you know what? There's a lot of good stuff happening that time. Oh, an awful lot. Yeah. I know that was your favourite, um, the ruthless, ruthless aggression. aggression. Yep. Although uh, two thousand, what a year that was! Mm-hmm. Especially if you just isolate the pay per views, like the two WWF's pay per views in two thousand, they just they were all unbelievable. Like there was all something to talk about. So you get the street fight at Royal Rumble, the Hell in a Cell at No Way Out, the TLC at WrestleMania, Rock and Triple H with Austin coming back at Backlash. The uh, Iron Man match at Judgment Day, Undertaker coming back as uh, American Badass, mm-hmm. King of the Ring, uh, Kurt Angle making a name for himself, and that epic moment. I know that you were a fan of Undertaker choke slamming Shane McMahon off the top turnbuckle through the commentary table. <laughs> F- fully loaded with Triple H and Jericho, an absolute beautiful uh, last man standing match. Then SummerSlam. Another TLC into the equation. The 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 whole Edge and Christian Dudley's uh, Hardy's stuff going on to the autumn fall season. Survivor series as well in Armageddon with the infamous six way on the cell match. Two thousands pay per views were top notch. Yep. Oh, and that brings us to the end. Yep. Uh, the questions 
And I don't actually have a quiz sorted. Neither do I, I'm content because I thought it would be a relatively long-ish episode anyway. We've done well. Uh, we've answered all the questions, even ones that we weren't fans of as well. But with that in mind, with one of the questions we got and with us not doing a quiz, shall we work behind the scenes on getting the rematch sorted between young boy Josh Smith and Raymond Cash himself, Franz Morris? We either go straight rematch or we go fatal four-way. I, I think it's only fair that we go for a rematch and then do a fatal four-way. That's fine. Uh, because somewhere down the line, and I'm serious, we need to do an Elimination Chamber formatted quiz. I like that. And like I said before, I think we were almost keeping a strong style. If when someone's eliminated, they get removed from the call. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, to be nice, when someone's eliminated, we can use their questions. But then you think of questions, like, on the spot. No, they'd have them in the bank. Either that or they would get fucking chucked off the call. I know, but I can tell you right now, Caleb wouldn't prepare for it because he, he, he's winning the fucking thing and he knows it. And I also think Josh wouldn't, because Josh, Josh would back himself. I think Rance and Jeremy would be um, very efficient and would do it, but would also back themselves. But I think Caleb especially would be like, fuck that. The arrogance would come through. Despite what he says, he's going to win that shit. I when I'm telling I you right was, now. But I think a straight-on one-on-one rematch, in terms of the booker's integrity, we have to honour that. That's fine. That's but, not a problem. When it comes to Caleb, yes, he's got some memory on him, but he's more concerned with um, shredding those LBs right now. Uh, his mind will be elsewhere. No, it's not. It's not because he still talks about it to this day. Like about getting his rematch. What what rematch? Who do you think you are, Charlotte? Flair? No, sorry, his title shot. Aye, exactly. Funny, funny Caleb story. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb texted me uh, last week, and it just sums Caleb up. And he was like, um, just wanted to check in on you. I felt I've not spoke to you in a while. Um, what's been going on? And I think I hadn't actually spoke to him in about a week. Um, and he was like, and I replied back saying, oh, good. In fact, you know what? I haven't spoken in a while. I was like, we should set up a, a call for later on whenever you're free. To which Caleb replied basically saying, no, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute so dick. You, you have regular, like, Basic phone calls with their American friends? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've not I've not had a phone call with some of them in a while. I think the last time I had a phone call might have been with France uh, a few weeks back. Um, but I speak to Kyle now and then on the phone call as well. Um, text Rob and Carl privately. Um, speak to Caleb. I was actually Caleb phoned me. I think it was best probably about six, seven, or eight weeks ago. He phoned me as well. I think he was in his car and he was driving. I was on the phone to Caleb for about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm, not, um, I'm not one for phone calls in general. I've not spoke to Josh in a while. I mean, Josh would actually reach out and call each other as well on yeah, Messenger. We'll, um, we'll need but to, once we'll a month and stuff. We'll need to phone the champ soon anyway. But I'm not one for social phone calls. Yeah. Uh, my, social life is what, like, my social life is WhatsApp and I'm happy with that. Uh, yes. I do a lot of phone calls at work. So... Apart, like, see, I'm the opposite. 
I'm the opposite. I'd rather just phone someone and speak to someone for 10, 15 minutes rather than dragging a fucking conversation out all day long. Fuck that social interaction, man. That would freak me out. <laughs> Kill you. I, it's a small talk. I, I can't go small talk. Like, when you're in a barber's, it's like, are you working? Are you working during the week? Are you going anywhere on holiday? Nice weather. No, I know what you mean. I cannot stand that shit. Oh, you just getting your hair cut? Aye, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> oh, right. Right. It's people. been good. I'll leave your plugs to you, though, obviously. Yep. Uh, this has been the Rick and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network, <laughs> where you can find other, <laughs> other shows such as um, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong, so Grown Men Watch This Shit, Great Match Generator, 8-Bit Suplex Podcast, Grave Consequences, and All Things Elite. Um, give us a five-star review on the podcast app of your choice, or Podcast Catcher, or even applepodcasts.com if you can. A nice review, and if you even leave a review, I don't know, I, uh, I've, I've had a love-hate relationship with Apple, but maybe we can read out people's reviews on the show if they leave them. Um, you can head over to socialsuplex.com where you can get those podcasts you can also get columns and you can get them sent directly to your email inbox if you press the subscribe button on the show notes you will see hyperlinks to our Pro Wrestling Tees page where we've got some t-shirts from the, the, the chaps involved our logos and whatnot. Uh, there's also a page where you can donate uh, if people want my spaghetti bolognese recipe, it costs you a fiver up front. So send a fiver into the donation page. <laughs> He's uh, Ricky's laughing away there. Uh, and I'll send you the thing. Tell me, honestly, if I make £20, 20 sterling, the greatest of British pounds, I will give you a, a standalone stand-up podcast with wrestling jokes. It will happen if there's £20 in there. Uh, and, and uh, folks, if you want, if you want, if since Clive's given out recipes and stuff, I can give out recipes as well if you want. Um, but if you want just photos of myself, I'll also charge you five pound a photo and send it to you. Are these over and above your uh, Facebook? Yes, absolutely. These will be taken specially. So these will be even more fap worthy than your Facebook posts. Will be more what? Fap worthy. <laughs> oh. Oh, horrible you are not horrible <laughs> nah. uh, where was I so donate donate to the network in general uh, we're over at the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group and we're at Ricky and Clive on Twitter shout out to very big thanks to 99% of the people who gave us questions this week made for an interesting show I do thoroughly enjoy these listener questions episodes it's always a um, a smorgasbord of content it's good to see and chat some shite as well so thank you very much for listening thank you very much yeah, for taking part and thank you very much Ricky for um, returning finally coming back aye basically <laughs> uh, uh, no more sort of run-ins and then disappearing it's good to have you back genuinely, yep. genuinely no, more. no more the Brock Lesnar, uh, Brock Lesnar um, schedule is over now. Aye, it's, it's mania season for Ricky. He's going to come back for a few That's weeks it. until it's the next Ramadan. That's it. That was racist, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
Right, ladies and gents, enjoy in your house. Uh, oh, I six-man tag winner takes all with the North American title and the tag team titles. That's my pick of match for the night because, let me tell you, Legado de Fantasma tag team matches are fucking fire. Good night, and Allah bless you all. Take care, folks. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.